Well, grace be down to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our text then for this first Sunday in Lent, it comes to us from the Gospel of Luke, which was just read a few moments ago, and it'll serve as the basis for this morning's meditation. In Jesus' name, amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, out of all the words in the English language, there is a conjunction called if. And if you think about it, it tops it all. After all, this one little conjunction has the ability to be the most influential as well as having the best potential of causing the most trouble in one's life. These two little letters, they are responsible for people losing whole periods of life as they agonize over what if. What if I had done this? What if I had done that? I just don't know. Maybe things would have been different. What if? What if? What if? Closely related to this life derailing mindset is the if only gain that we also often engage in when things aren't going well or as planned. If only things could be different. If only we did this. If only we did that. If only. If only. If only. There is a sense of uncertainty that these two little letters this conjunction, so powerful, conveys, if only I could, if I could get a, my job back, if so-and-so gets their life together, if things don't change, if I could only win the lottery. We don't know what the future holds. And it's that uncertainty that can drive a person to despair. There is also the conditioned nature of the, this too little word, if. That is where that word if is at its greatest. This is where the word if wields the most power, the most influence, the most potential for great harm. And you might hear some of these too. If you really love me, if you want to keep your job, if you want to keep this quiet, what if, what if, what if? You've probably never given it much thought before today. But like I said, that simple two-letter conjunction is extremely powerful. It's very influential and has tremendous potential to cause great harm and chaos in our lives. Now with all of that in mind, it should come as no surprise that as we turn our ears to the gospel lesson for today from Luke's gospel, we hear Satan himself wielding this power, this two-letter word, if you will, conditionally soared against Christ in an attempt to bring some sinful harm and chaos into the already troubled life of Jesus. 
It was after 40 days. 40 days of fasting in the middle of the desert wilderness. That's when the devil comes to Jesus. We're three simple propositions. First, what does Satan say? If you are the Son of God, command these stones. Make them become bread. Second, if you fall down and worship me, all this earthly authority and glory, it'll be yours. And thirdly, if you are the Son of God, then throw yourself down from the highest point of the temple and let God's holy angels catch you. So I don't know about you, but did you notice what the devil is not doing here? He's not coming at Jesus with all the fires and terrors of hell. He's not forcing or coercing or even scaring Jesus into doing something against his will. Rather, the devil is using an almost easy, childlike approach. And he does this against Jesus. If you really are the Son of God, in a sense he says, then prove it. I dare you. I double-dog dare you. Just do it. Oh, I don't believe you. But as we see in the text, Jesus doesn't take the bait. He doesn't bite. He didn't give in to such sinful foolishness. He didn't give in to the temptation aimed at exploring and exploding the most basic human weakness. Weakness like, well, an empty stomach or a selfish feeling or a desire for great power or authority or weakness of doing whatever you want. Expecting God to cover it all for you. But that's just it, isn't it? Jesus didn't give in and he didn't fall prey to the very basic temptations that you and I fall prey to all the time. You see, our Lord met and countered every temptation with an unerring and all-sufficient word of God. He didn't enter into a debate or an argument with the devil. He didn't try to reason with the devil. He simply centered the lies with the word of God alone, one against the other. You see, here's the thing. Christ isn't just our substitute on Good Friday's cross. He's our perfect and complete substitute in every way, every shape, every form. From his conception to his resurrection, Jesus came to do what he did. Not just because we're unable to work perfection in our lives, but so we will never have to go through what he did. Now recall Passion Week. He was forsaken by God so that we'll never have to experience that kind of hell. He suffered all of our sins so that you and I will never have to pay the wretched, unbearable price. All this he did for you and I because of his great, unconditional love for you and for me. His perfect love and obedience that he got from his earthly father, who is willing and unconditionally gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. 
But before we close, I want to bring to attention a point in the gospel text that is often overlooked. Many pastors just overlook it. Don't pay much attention to it. And here's the key. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from Jesus until an opportune time. Well, folks, the devil didn't simply quit after Jesus had bested him, if you will. The one time in the wilderness, the devil never quits. Evil is not a one-and-done kind of thing. Case in point, Satan came right back at Jesus with the very same two-letter temptation three years later, if you recall, when Christ was hanging there on the cross. And you may recall the words, If you are the Son of God, save yourself. Prove it! Come on down off your cross. If Christ would have given in, and come down off of that cross, we all would be finished. But that's not how it worked out. Jesus didn't give up. He didn't give in. Instead, he said, it is finished. The plan of our salvation was indeed fulfilled. The reason I bring all of this up is because all too often you and I, we fall prey to the devil's temptation when things really heat up in life. And you might know that in life things get hard. They get difficult. They seem unbearable. Yet you and I can stand firm and we can resist the devil's temptation maybe once, maybe twice. But when the temptations are relatively small and easy, we can stand up. But when life really hits the fan, as it were, and most, well, it's change for us. You see, Satan didn't stop working on Jesus. He didn't even bother to use different temptations. He used the same old temptations time and time again. He just waited for a more opportune time to strike. A time when the temptation would have more influence and leverage and power. If this was the case with Jesus, what makes you or I think the devil is going to stop working on us simply because we overcame his temptation once before? It doesn't matter how good or bad life is going it doesn't matter how or when the devil tempts you. The answer is always the same. Look to and hold fast to the Lord, the Savior, Jesus Christ. Nothing makes the devil happier than getting you or I to foolishly believe that different circumstances call for means different measures. That you can actually assist in working your salvation or deliverance. Instead, look to and hold fast to your perfect and complete substitute who did it all. Perfectly and completely. Hold fast to the Son of God and His victorious and eternal proclamation where He says, It is finished. My dear friends in Christ, 
all of God's promises of deliverance, all of his promises of life, forgiveness, and salvation are yours. Resist the devil, as James says in his epistle, and he will flee from you. Resist? Yes. But not with your own reason or strength. Not with your own personal feeling or progress interpretation of your own personal feeling or of Scripture. Not by practicing a prescribed method or format. Resist the devil by simply holding fast to and holding up Christ and Christ alone. For it is in Christ, and in Christ alone our perfect and complete substitute, that the head of the devil always has been crushed, making us no longer enemies of God, but making us cherished and redeemed children of Christ. Today, you must know that today you are forgiven and you have become redeemed children of the promise. There's no if or buts about it. Don't be afraid of that word if because in Christ it is absolute. It is perfect. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit we say, and now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen. We'll continue then with our offering.